So last week, uh, I shared with you that starting January, the very first week of January, uh, we are going to be trying to share the words to remember together as a community, which is great, right? Because you all memorize the words to remember. What I found out is that many of you said to me, where are the words to remember? And I said, great that you ask. Let me explain where the words to remember are and how you can get them every single day. So you can pull out your Android device, crank up the battery, you can pull out your iPhone and switch it on, and uh, you can literally go to the store, your app store and those devices, search for Boulder Church, find the app, and once you download it, you can look for Daily Walk. When you get to Daily Walk every single day, you can scroll down and you will see words to remember, and it's literally words to remember are written inside there. You can also subscribe to the email and receive an email every morning in your box that will arrive at an appropriate time for you, uh, which is around four o'clock in the morning, and uh, so that you're ready the first thing of the day, and it will have, after the reflection, after the recalibrate, after the respond, after the research, all those little sections, it'll have the words to remember are written inside there. And, uh, and then, if that's not enough, you can also go to the website, boulder.church. Very hard website to remember, boulder.church, forward slash daily. I know, crazy, isn't it? And if you go there, you can also find that uh, you scroll down after the reflection, after the recalibrate, after the respond, after the refresh, you will see right there it just says words to remember. And that's where you can see it, every single place, it's all over the place. Uh, and if you're really excited with the kids, they actually have a poster with all the words to remember written for them uh, for the entire month ahead, so they're ready to go all the time. So the words to remember are all over the place. They are inside the worship guide, they're inside the emails, they're, they're imprinted all over the place. So it's really easy for you. In fact, last week, I don't know if you noticed this, but the sermon that I did, I actually mapped the entire sermon out around the words to remember and uh, mapped it out based on the words to remember. And I said, I said last week, remember, it was, uh, you probably remember this, it was holy. What's next? Holy. Very hard, wasn't it? Holy. I know. Is the Lord God Almighty who was, you're like, now what is it? And is and is to come. I mean, that was pretty amazing, right? And then I divided the sermon up into those seven parts, and that's how we did it. And so I'm so glad you guys remembered that. You were like, wow, my memory banks are working. I feel so good. I feel like I'm, I'm using them again. It's so good. It's so important. So I want to kind of test you a little bit more. I'm preparing you. You see how we're preparing you. I'm preparing you to do this, so we're going to try the words to remember today and see if you can get this. So imagine uh, a perfect square. Imagine, oh, oh this is dangerous. Uh, I didn't imagine this was going to be here. I could get poked by this. Um, Michael, uh, you'll, you'll pull this back um, and uh, imagine it's back there. All right, so imagine a perfect square. And so this is a, one corner over here and another corner over here and another one over here and another one over here. Can you see the square? You got the square, you with me? So this is, the, this is square. This is where the words to remember actually are. So it starts off like this. It goes, let us be grateful and worship God, right? This is where we begin. This is the words to remember. Let us be grateful and worship God. And then we step forward in the square inside here in a way that is pleasing, right? And we move over to this corner here. Why? With reverence and with awe. Because if you have the awe and you have the reverence, it is pleasing to God, right? And therefore, it is the cornerstone of worship. 
And this is what God calls us to, the cornerstone of worship. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm not quite sure if I understand this whole cornerstone idea, but I want you to remember this because the cornerstone is very, very important. The cornerstone of worship is this. For let us be grateful. Let us be grateful to worship God. And if you are grateful to worship God, it is pleasing to him with reverence and all the way back with awe. For when you get this kind of idea, you start to see that everything is based on this cornerstone, and the cornerstone has to be perfect. Now, you have heard, maybe you have heard, and may you have heard, thousands of years ago, there was a man called Isaiah. And you may have read about him in a book called Isaiah. I know, I know, it's pretty amazing. And this is what he says, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, right? In this cornerstone is a sure foundation. Whoever believes in it must not worry or haste. I know what you're thinking, though. You're thinking, ah, it's not that clear. I'd like it to be a little clearer. So let me try this. You may have heard... Thousands of years ago, there was a man named Peter. And you can read about this guy in a book called Peter. Uh huh. And this is what he says Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. And this cornerstone is a chosen and precious cornerstone. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You're feeling a little bit better maybe with that cornerstone? That you understand that this cornerstone, this perfect-shaped cornerstone, is in fact the cornerstone that shapes everything, is where worship begins always. We have a few days before Christmas. Everybody excited about Christmas? Who's not excited about Christmas? There are some people not excited about Christmas. There are some people who are just exuberant about Christmas. It depends. But if you are with Jesus and you understand, you can find inside there something deep about it if you understand that the cornerstone is Christ. And you can kind of get it because if you are, let's say, let us be grateful with worship and you understand this kind of stuff in God that in a way that is pleasing to him, then you understand that there is reverence and there is awe and you kind of like put it all together. You can kind of see Christmas in a new way. I did this illustration for you five years ago, and I'm going to see now if you remember this. But five years ago, I, I pulled out an orange and an apple for you, and you're like, oh, I remember this. How many of you remember the orange and the apple five years ago? Tara does. Five years ago, there was only Tara's here. All right. Uh, orange and the apple. This is what happened. And if you really want a good orange, most people will say they would go to Florida to get a good orange, right? They would go to the orchard. Anybody ever eaten an orange straight from the orange, from a tree, from an orchard? Anybody? A few people have. Most people actually go to the store. Yes, you have, Ken. It is a different experience, isn't it? It's like you have arrived. It's just like you, you just pull it and you just say, thank you. That's what you do. And in fact, the title of the message today is, thank you. I kind of threw that in there for you for no charge whatsoever. All right, so you're with me on this. All right, so if you want a really good orange, you'd probably want to go to Florida. And uh, the reason why you want to go to Florida is because you want to be able to go collect the most amazing orange. And, and the Brazilians in the 18th century, they really wanted to get a really great orange. I'm actually using this knife. Leonard the Zafra gave me this knife. And the reason she gave me this knife is because she knows that I love knives. I have a thing for knives. I'm just, I'm really excited about knives. And I hope that knives actually live in my family forever. Um, but... 
if you really want a really great orange, what you're hoping for is an orange that actually has the sweetest experience. You're hoping for no seeds, of course. What you're hoping for in this orange, in fact, is that as you pull this orange apart, you're hoping that this orange has one of those things right at the bottom, this thing right here, right? And so I'm going to just pull this apart like this. I'm going to just break this open for you so you can see that little part right there. You guys see that? Oh, maybe. You can see that part. Well, this is what the Brazilians worked out in the 18th century. They worked out, in fact, that if you could take two oranges and uh, blend them together and then kill one, now you're kind of excited, make it the dead twin inside here, you could actually pull all the juices of this one and make this other one inside here. And they built it, and they kind of, uh, they kind of made this orange into the super orange that has no seeds, and it just kind of like keeps all the residual stuff just left inside it. And we just kind of like, we eat it and we just like throw that little part away and we're very excited about it. But the point is that it has no reproductive power. We just like it though because we don't like to eat an orange and like spit out a seed. We want to be able to eat that kind of orange. And unfortunately, we don't really enjoy it as much as we do as an apple. We're kind of like, now I, I did look everywhere I could and I couldn't find... And I think uh, I'm still here. Washington Red. I was looking for a Washington Red. If you've ever eaten a Washington Red apple, those are apples. And I couldn't find one. The closest I could find was Red Delicious. Red Delicious is okay. And with a Red Delicious, they are amazing still. But a Red Delicious is full of seeds. And the thing with Red Delicious is that it has seeds because this has the ability to reproduce itself. And people are okay with this. I know some people eat the whole apple. You know people eat the whole apple. They eat the seeds, they eat the core, they eat the little flower at the end, they eat everything. They eat the skin, they eat the whole lot. I know some people who actually, they eat the apple like this and they take a spoon and they scrape it like this and they eat it like that. Have you ever done that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know, they've got issues. And uh, they're like, ah, ah, ah. yes, lots of deep issues. But, uh, but most people just use their teeth. Um, but this has tremendous reproductive abilities because it can reproduce itself. So it's a very, very powerful thing. Now, when we approach the Bible, we often like the Bible to be more like an orange. We love to be able to peel it and dissect it and kind of like experience all the juice and the joy. But do we really want it to have any transformative power in our lives? And I would call that a versicitis. It's a disease. In fact, the monks would, uh, when they, in the 13th century, and they were dividing the Bible up into verses, chapters and verses, they were probably writing in a, in a little cart, and, and that's where the verses kind of divided up in those particular sections, and sometimes they kind of break in weird places, right? And so we divide them all up into sections, and we're kind of, what does this one verse mean? And the point is, is that with the apple, you have the entire picture. You need to be able to have the entire picture. You have to take the entire bite because you need to be able to have a holistic view of it. This biblical text that we're looking at today is a very difficult passage. And yet, it speaks of this incredible overflow. That words that I spoke about, these beautiful words of worship, that comes from Hebrews. This is what Paul is talking about. He strings together some of the most complex passages that you can imagine in the First Testament. He pulls them together from different places where you kind of wonder to yourself, what is really going on inside here? As he says, as he talks about this incredible overflow, he says, well, even Moses himself, as he approaches God, Moses is kind of scared of God. He doesn't even know. He's kind of like, God is so awesome, but he's kind of scary. I don't 
don't know. And Paul says, well, look, I want to kind of tell you that there's a different view of God. I want to kind of tell you that Moses eventually got it, but people were scared of God. They didn't understand how to worship God. And so let me tell you about this mountain, but let me tell you about this experience. Let me give you the entire Apple experience. We can get rid of this here at some point so the worship team doesn't have to juggle it. That'd be awesome. That'd be fantastic. Oh, batteries. I will trade these. Let me trade that as well. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, hang on a second. Now on. They're ever ready, like the bunny. All right. All right, that's good. That's good. It's fantastic. Thank you. All right, good. So, all right, we're back. Now I'm going to speed up because I missed out that time. All right, no. Uh, the, the, the beautiful thing is this. Moses is trying so hard to be able to say, I want you to understand that I have a different view of who God is. And I want you to understand that sometimes you read just these little segments, you read these little complex things, and you don't understand there is so much more of God. And if you do, then you will start to live in a special place of overflow that you will enjoy God, even in the difficult times, even in the times when you don't understand who God is, you will start to understand that this cornerstone is so true, so righteous, so beautiful, that it is fantastic, and it pulls you into a wonderful place that you may be able to say, let us be grateful and worship him. He is worthy in a way that it pleases him so that you can say with reverence and with awe and you can live inside the square and you can enjoy the presence of God pulling you together. I know that God is complex. I don't ever suppose that God is just so simple. God is complex. I know that every time I open the Bible that I'm constantly inspired to find more things out. I've had people say to me, hey, uh, somebody invited me to come to something the other day and said, hey, listen, I need you to come to this meeting. I said, ah, I don't need to go to that meeting. I'm busy enough as it is. I don't need it. And they said, look, come to this meeting so you can be inspired. I do not need to come to your meeting to be inspired. Really, I'm not lacking inspiration. Honestly, I'm doing fine. I got the Bible, I got community, I got family, I got people I talk to. I'm, I'm in the zone all the time with God. It's just, it's phenomenal. Even when I'm having a horrible day and a difficult day, I'm still inspired. <laughs> That's not the reason I need to come to your meeting. It's fine, I'm okay with that. But there are times when my foundations are ripped out. And maybe your foundations have been ripped out. When something comes along and those foundations that you stood on for so long and you just believe this forever and then suddenly they just somebody just rips them out. What if things that you believed your entire life about God and you had them and your building of your faith had been on it and somebody just comes along and just grabs it and pulls it out and you're just like, I, I, I didn't understand that. And then you have to reframe everything. What if you had believed your entire life that God was going to burn you at the end? And he was going to burn you for a long time if you disobeyed. As Matt was explaining in the kid's life story with this whole Santa Claus thing and the idea of being good or bad. And is Jesus really about good and bad? Is that what he's just hunting you down? Is that what he wants to do? He just wants to kind of get you and corner you. Is that what Christmas is about? He wants to hunt and corner you down. Is that why bad things happen to people all the time? What if you believe, oh, you know, at some point, maybe we're just going to burn for like an hour or a day. That's all. It's not a lot. And then suddenly you realize that's not true. Then you realize that God is love. And this is not true. 
It, I mean, it just changes your view of God, and suddenly your foundation changes, and you build a new, stronger foundation. And you don't fight about the complicated. You unite under the simple. You breathe under the free. And you live under love. And your foundations, they get rebuilt. And the building is even stronger because your cornerstone calls you to worship. And you start to overflow in a different space. You may have heard of a man thousands of years ago called Joshua. And uh, you can read about him in a book called Joshua. I know, it's pretty good, isn't it? I know, I'm kind of amazed myself. I was surprised. Uh, in this book, uh, a complex situation takes place where Joshua meets somebody who comes to him and his sword is drawn. The sword is drawn and Joshua does the very English thing, right? He says, um, um, excuse me, <laughs> I do see that your sword is drawn and I was just wondering if, uh, if you're with me or against me. I mean, that's one way to approach an enemy, right? Uh, some of us would probably just say, let me pull my sword out and then ask you that question. Or maybe I should kill you and then ask you that question, right? <laughs> no, no, Joshua's like, oh, my, uh, are you on my side or not? As the sword is drawn towards him. And the Bible actually records this. This is really funny. The Bible records this. It records in Hebrew that the reply of this person who has his sword drawn, asking him, are you with me or not with me? And he says, no. I'm like, what? He says, no, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, I said, are you, are you with me or are you not with me? Let me say that in English. Are you going to kill me or you're not going to kill me with that truncheon? And the guy, the guy says, no, I am the commander of the Lord. This is how you guys negotiate. This is the way you negotiate. Basically, God cuts through all the complicated things. He takes it to another level. He does. He says, it's not about whether I'm with you or not with you. He says, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. And be grateful. That's all. Just live in this grateful space. You don't have to work out whether I'm with you or not with you. I'm the commander of the angel of the Lord. You may have heard of a man thousands of years ago called Jonah. And you can read about him in a book called Jonah. Very good. You guys are so good at this. I mean, if you've never read the Bible, you guys are doing so well. I'm just so impressed. So, so in this book called Jonah, there's a guy called Jonah. And he tells a story. He gets in a boat. Huge storm comes along. And everybody starts to panic about this. Everyone's calling on their religion, their deity, their God. And they're like, how do we stop this? How do we stop this? And Jonah is fast asleep down in the bottom of this boat. He's just like deep in a coma, enjoying the rocking of the boat back and forth. They eventually confront him, and then he says, well, you know what you need to do? Just throw me in the sea. And they're like, no, we don't want to throw you in the sea. We've been praying and doing all sorts of things and casting lots and trying to work it out. He says, look, just throw me in the sea. He insists on this. And a huge fish comes along and swallows Jonah and spews him out on the land. 
Um, it's like Jonah was on this incredible game of snakes and ladders, and as he arrives just at the end, he's about to make it all the way to the end, and he arrives, and there's a snake there, and he just grabs him, and he's back at square one. He's back at his homeland. It's like, oh, man, I'm so close. And that fish just took me and took me all the way back. Problem is, we, we can't get past the fish. We, we can't get past the, you know, the stomach acid. <laughs> we can't get past the 120,000 Ninevites who are actually decided to give their lives back to Jesus, right? And all I'm saying is, just say thank you. Just say thank you. Live in this space over here and say, there is a cornerstone of worship, and just say thank you inside there. Maybe you've heard of a man thousands of years ago called Daniel. You can read about him in a book called Daniel, very good, very good. In a minute, I'm going to catch you out. All right. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, maybe. Yes, this one, Daniel, written in the book of Daniel. When he was old and he was tired and he had risen to the top, not of one empire, but two empires, right? He had survived two world wars, right? They asked him not to pray to God anymore. But Daniel just can't help himself. It's just, it's just too much for him. He has to pray to God, and he's kind of like Ray Dabrowski. When he prays to God, he has to do a selfie about it. Right? So he does a selfie on all the social media platforms. Everybody knows that he's doing this. It's been declared, you must not pray. So he's like on Instagram, like, I'm praying right now, I'm praying right now, all the time. And he gets thrown into a lion's den. This is not a figure of speech. I know someone was like, oh man, I faced the lions today. Uh-huh, yeah, no. This is a real lion's den. This is not like Denver Zoo. This is like a real lion's den where they really eat things, humans. Other animals, that kind of lion. These are not vegetarian lions. These are real lions, right? And so he gets inside there, and the lions somehow end up becoming vegetarians that night by a miracle. And then we argue about the social media posting. Well, should he have posted? Should he not have posted? Blah, 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 blah. We argue about the lions. Were there really lots of lions? Could it have been one lion? Maybe he hid. Maybe he had like a trap. Maybe he put a toothpick. I don't know. All this kind of stuff, right? Could we just for one moment, for one moment, just say that God is amazing and that he is this cornerstone and just say thank you, maybe. You may have heard of a man thousands of years ago It's called Job. He's written in a book called Job. Well done, well done, well done. You guys are good, so good. Yes. And the story goes like this. A man called Job has three friends, not really three friends, it's more like frenemies. Um, and Job hits some hard times, and when I say hard times, I mean he loses his wife, he loses his kids, he loses everything, his home, his career, everything goes. Clearly Moses, who wrote this book, he was onto a bestseller, and he must have been in a very dark place. Moses must have been in a very dark place when he wrote this book, right? We're horrified when we read this book. We kind of pretend it's about something else. It's like when we're reading the Song of Solomon and we say, that clearly is not about sex. We're like blind. It is about sex. All right, so you're like, is it really? Somebody's going to go read it tonight. Uh, to their spouse. That's not the way it works. All right. Most people tend to read the introduction of this book of Job and feel, oh, I feel so much better now when I read the introduction to this book, right? Because this is how the introduction goes. God and Satan were watching their favorite Christmas movie. 
Well, uh, hang on, let me, let me, let me just uh, rephrase this. Um, what I'm about to say is a little bit funny, uh, and I say this to you as humor, and so you don't need to fire me, all right? All right, all right. It's a joke, and, uh, and then after, it's not real. All right, good, all right. That was close. Right, so God and Satan are watching their favorite Christmas movie. This is the way people see the introduction of this book. And an advert uh, comes up on TV, and Job's on there, and he's selling health insurance, as you do. And, uh, and as they're watching this, they're saying to them, well, man, I wonder, I wonder what happened to Job if he lost everything. And would he still be happy? Uh, would this advert for health insurance even make sense? And they're discussing this, and they're like, well, I wonder what the odds would be, and we should place a bet on this, and God loses the bet, right? So Job loses out. I mean, he loses his wife, his wife dies, his kids die, his career comes to an end. I mean, that's the least of his worries. But in the end, in the end, don't worry about this. Job, all is good, because he gets a new wife. She's way hotter than the first wife. Because the first wife, she had like thousands of kids. She was old. This wife, she's new, she's young, she's hotter, way, way better. No worries. Job, he had a Ford, now he has a Tesla. Job lived in Dakono with two-bedroom house. He now lives in Aspen. I mean, this is good. This is good. This is just a super upgrade, right? It's all working out well for him. Job had 10 kids, now he has none. No, I mean, no, sorry, I read that wrong. Um, Job had 10 kids, now he has 20, yes. He's much happier. Uh, note to self, happier, right? <laughs> Do you think that's what's going on in his life? Do you think that's what's going on in his life? This is the way we kind of read that story. We, we don't understand this cornerstone inside the story inside here. Do you think that's what God is? God's like, hey, you're going through hard things, don't worry, I'm going to upgrade you. I'm going to make sure everything just works out super cheapy and it's going to be fantastic. And you know what? Life's horrible. But just hang on. You're going to leave planet Earth. You'll go to heaven. Heaven's going to be fantastic. So just hang in there through all the hard things because that's what we're all living for. We're not living for anything right now. Don't enjoy any overflow of what life is because God has not said that he's actually with us right now. This is the kind of mental, crazy stuff that people actually say about each other. So when you do lose your job, and when you have lost a loved one, and when you actually have faced untenable hardship, as I've seen people do this week, as I sat in the hospital on Wednesday with couples who thought this was their last moment, this is when you think about Christmas differently. And you're asking God, I want to be able to say, I am grateful and I worship you and I call your name because it pleases you. And it is with reverence and it is with awe. And this awe pulls me into a place of reverence because it pleases you. And this pleasing of you just pulls me back into this place that makes me so grateful that I just want to say thank you. How can we say thank you? How can we say thank you when we're in pain? And God says, Job, I've got so much to tell you. If you could just not do the orange, but just do the apple, just see the whole picture. When you read the Bible, you've got to read the whole Bible. And it's complex. 
It is not easy, but you've got to have this ability. Like Paul said, you've got to be able to string it together and just give God the patience and time and He will pull you through this. He even gives us a little glimpse in Job, in Job chapter 38, when he says to Job, listen man, why do you talk so much? (laughs) When do you know so little? That's what he says to him. And we do, we do talk so much sometimes when we know so little. He says, just now get ready to face me. Can you answer the questions I ask? How did I lay the foundation for the earth? Were you there? This is God being sarcastic, by the way. All right. He says, doubtless, you know who decided its length and width. What supports the foundation and who placed the cornerstone, Job? Who placed the cornerstone? While morning stars sang and angels rejoiced. When the ocean was born, he said, I set the boundaries and wrapped its blankets as thick as fog. Then I built a wall around it and locked the gates and said, your powerful waves, they stop right here. Did you ever tell the sun to rise? Did it obey? Did I take hold of the earth and shake out the wicked like dust from a rug? Job, have you ever walked on the ocean floor? And how large is the earth? Tell me, tell me if you know, Job. Job, you don't understand. It is complicated, but I need you to know, Job, I'm here and I have built this cornerstone and I am with you and I am with you. And believe me, that story at the beginning of Job, that's so fantastic. You think I, you think I roll dice on your life? You think I'm just a, a puppet player? You think I, that's how I operate? Please, I push this story into your life to take you to a place to understand I do not play with you. I am with you through the complexities of life. It's Christmas, my friends, and we've made it really complicated. And I want us to know that with Joshua, and with Jonah, and with David, and Daniel, sorry, and Job, that God says that he's gonna rise above it, that he's gonna bring us home, that he's gonna save us from the impossible, and in the midst of the most painful things that we experience, that he's with us. And some of us are experiencing some difficult, difficult times. And God is saying He is with us. And this is what Christmas is, the incarnation. That God says, I came here to be with you. I came here because you guys got askew so much. Man, Paul wrote the story to tell you, man, you, you were scared. You're scared of this image of God. I'm going to tell you about a desire. I'm going to tell you about this, this beautiful image of who God is. And I just want you to get to a place where you can just say thank you. I'm looking every day for things in my life that I can say thank you all the time. I do. I look for that because if you can do that, you can actually live in a better place. Christina and Tyler uh, were, and I say the word were, were classic, absolutely brilliant example of the most anxious parents before Jaylee arrived. (laughs) The unknown world, right? Uh, The responsibility, the self-doubt, the questions they had. But if you know them now, um, and you should get to know them, they're sitting over there. I won't make them stand up. They are amazing. And Jaylee could not have better parents than them. Absolutely. In fact, I, I had to ask their permission to say this, and I had to get my emotions together before I share this because it was just difficult to, because I see them all the time. When I see them, I'm just like, I'm moved every single time. Jaylee is so happy. She's happy not only on Instagram, she's happy in real life. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. You parents know this. You know this about your kids. You know when your kids are happy. You know when you're living in that overflow zone. You know when you have that joy. You know when your kid comes and holds you and you feel them breathing. You know how powerful that is. 
There are times when chapels and cathedrals, our worship team is up here and they're leading. Christina will allow Jaylee to come all the way to the front here. And Jaylee is kind of uh, relentlessly rushing to get up onto the stage. She is. And Christina is doing the bad thing. She's holding her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She's like, no, 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 you can't get up there. But Jaylee just wants to. She just wants to run up front. She wants to be in the music. She wants to be in the worship. She's just been drawn into the moment. And you know what I'm doing when I'm up here? I'm looking over and I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a mother who loves her daughter, who lets her daughter run to the front and allows her run so close that she can be part of it and feel like this is her church. She belongs here. Thank you, Jesus. There's a little girl who hears the voice and the sound of music and is thrilled by it and wants nothing more than to dance in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the joy of life. So for those of you who've lost and you're alive today, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who have breath and energy today, thank you, Jesus. Look after each other. Enjoy the Christmas. Forgive each other. Be grateful. He is the cornerstone. He holds us and it's pleasing to him. Oh, this is what brings him joy. And this is what reverence and awe inspires us. And this is where the overflow exists. Merry Christmas.